that God, we serve a risen king. Hallelujah. I tell you what, man, there'll be one day that you'll see me. I'm a big guy and I don't move very good. I can move when I want to, but it's not very fast. But I'll promise you there'll be one day that you'll see me move so fast there'll be gold dust coming up off the street. And I'll be dancing with Cornell. And I'll be dancing with the others of you in this body one day as we crack the, as our Savior cracks the sky and brings us home, hallelujah. And we are known as we are known and we go to live with Him in eternity. Hallelujah. The Bible says to stir ourselves up and it says to, as long as it's called today, to keep on talking about this great hope we have. Amen. And it's not just a hope for the sweet by and by. It's a hope for the here and now. Because the precious Holy Spirit has been given to us as the down payment of that inheritance that one day we will realize. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Man, I tell you what, it's so, my heart is so full, I can't hardly stand myself. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> Glory to God. I tell you, the Spirit of God wants to see the joy of the Lord released upon His vessels. The Bible talks about Jesus being anointed with the oil of joy that set Him above His companions. And I tell you, we are in the body of Christ. And we are to also receive and and, uh, manifest that anointing. But that joy is not not just an emotion. That joy is most certainly not dictated by circumstance. That joy is an essence and a life of agape God. And when you have a revelation of that, you can't help but manifest a reaction to that. And the reaction to agape is joy. Hallelujah. And it says in the Old Testament that the joy of the Lord would be our strength. Amen would be our strength. It's to be something that you draw upon. Draw upon that joy. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord this morning. Well, I tell you, we're talking about, we started a series last week about our daily bread. How many of y'all remember that? How many of y'all have been asking the Father for your daily bread? Amen? Praise the Lord. This being the first of the year, I felt the Spirit of God was really encouraging me to stir us up and to, most importantly, deliver some practical knowledge, some practical things in terms of approaching the Word of God to achieve your spiritual food. I know we have a lot of people here that are mature in the things of God, that have walked with God for many years, have been experiencing and have been feeding themselves spiritually. But guess what? There are a lot of other people that don't know. There are a lot of other people that are new in the things of God. And guess what? We as ministers, you know, we can talk with the speak of ministry and tell people, get in the word. You need to be in your word. You need to read your word. Read the Bible. Have you read your Bible today? And I tell you, it's not simply enough to have folks be encouraged to read a book because what will happen is, is they'll approach it in the wrong way. They'll approach it from a soulless perspective and view it along uh, with a, a compendium of literary works right along with any other book. 
And you start reading things as if you do any other book. If you read the Bible that way, you're only going to get the depth of knowledge and experience you get with any other book. But the Bible, as we know, is not any other book. Amen? It's not just any other book. And so we need to learn about how we approach the Bible so it's not enough ministers of God. It's not enough people to encourage people that are new in the Lord, get in your Bible and read your Bible. I'm just as bad about that. I talk about that with my young adults. Did you read your word? Are you getting in your word? Well, you know what? We need to break that down sometimes. And I feel like at the first of the year, what better time than to talk about it right now? Praise the Lord. Okay, so we talked a little bit about what the spiritual food was. And I don't want to spend a lot of time in review because I have a long way to go today and a short time to get there. Y'all remember that movie, Smokey and the Bandit? That conjured the movie in your mind, didn't it? When I said that, because that's what that was. Long way to go, short time to get there. Well, what is depend on the Holy Spirit to deliver through me what it is that needs to be delivered. And Father, we are grateful for the opportunity to assemble before you as your body here in locally, Father, in Stillwater, in New Covenant Fellowship. We're grateful for the opportunity, Father, and the privilege that we have to do what we do. Thank you, Father, for that freedom. Thank you, Father God, most importantly, for the precious Holy Spirit who is the teacher. It's not me. It's the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you will take this bread and you will divide it and you will serve it as a waiter, the holy waiter of God unto these, my brothers and sisters, and to those that, don't, that are even outside the fold, Father God, that they'll get the morsel, Father God, that when they eat, Father, they'll be transformed. Thank you, Father God. Hallelujah. They'll be brought from outside the camp to in. They'll be brought from far to near. Thank you, Father God, right now for the precious anointing, Lord, and for ears to hear, for eyes to see, and for a good soul of heart in Jesus' name. And Jesus will get all the glory. Amen? Okay, so real quickly, I do want to just talk real quickly. We talked about the food last week and how we're real familiar with the physical food. And we showed some real nice pictures. Did it make anybody hungry? You know, we talked about how, how, you know, so few of us, particularly here in America, I know, just speaking from my perspective, I've never known hunger, physical hunger in my life that was not imposed. I've fasted. I've denied myself at times. That's the only time I've ever known physical hunger. I have never been hungry. I've never gone to bed hungry. I just thank the Lord for that. But there are many, millions across this world that know that every single day. Physically. But I want to I want to put the the focus though from that reality in the physical to a similar and equal reality and even a more transcendent reality in the spirit. Amen. And when we take it to the spirit, then all of a sudden we're looking at a famine. And let me tell you what: How many times do you think you've gone hungry spiritually? I'm going to tell you many times. And here's the stark reality of why. Because the food is there, folks. The supply is there. But if I spread a banquet before you and I say rise and eat, and you don't come and assemble yourself at that table to partake of what's made available to you, whose fault is it? Will you, can you stay just as hungry and end up just as dead as those that don't have the provision laid before them if you make a choice not to come to that table and eat? Yes. And I submit to you, so too, the reality is even greater in the Spirit. Greater. 
So what is this deal? You know, we talked about being spirit first. We have a soul. We live in a body. We're three parts in one. And we talked about each part having its own voice and each part having its own food. And we talked about the food of the spirit uh, literally being the word of God, but not just the word from a logos or a literary standpoint, as you would read a book with the words and letters on a page, but the word of God that as you read that word by the unction of the Holy Spirit given to you and is divert, div, um, divided unto you and given unto you by the Holy Spirit that is spoken from God to you to where you understand it. That is the bread of heaven. That is the manna of God. That maybe your soul might look like the people of old when, they, when the manna fell down of heaven and said they called it a name, manna, which meant what is it? And you might look at that word and you might, from a soulless perspective, as you are partaking of it spiritually, say, what is this? But your spirit is consuming, is receiving. And if you'll hold on and maintain the process, the Bible, uh, the Psalm of old says that the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. Well, what is a candle? The candle is something that provides illumination. And it says that that spirit is used to search the deep parts, to search the inward parts of the belly. The belly represents the centrality of your body mass. It represents the centrality of your body mass. Well, guess what the centrality of your mass spiritually of of your person is? It's the spirit. And so that that spirit is being used by God then to be the candle that will bring, guess what, understanding to your mind. That's the process. And so we have to engage this from a spiritual perspective. The soulish food, the soulish food, we know what that is. The soul contacts the intellectual realm. Its voice is reasoning and emotion. And the food is knowledge, experience, and emotion. The body, we don't even need to talk about that. We are well familiar with that. And we're familiar with feeding our soul man. We're familiar, we have institutions that feed our soul men. We have one right down the street, Oklahoma State University. Praise God for universities. Praise God for learning. And you should partake of the intellectual food. You should grow in knowledge. But I like what the, old, what the, the uh, wise man of old said in the Old Testament. You know, in all your, all your uh, knowledge, get understanding. Because it's one thing to sit there and cram yourself full of knowledge. But how much of it do you really understand? And understanding means the ability to apply it correctly. And you know what? There's a lot of knowledge out there that you can understand. There's no application for it in your life. Amen? There's a lot of knowledge, folks. Be careful. If there's one thing to be careful for, you know, and it says no, take no thought for your life, and, and, and we're not supposed to take up cares, but you do need to be conscious and walking as one, walking through a thorny path so those thorns don't get a hold of you and hold you back and dig into you. The Bible says to walk circumspectly. And if you look at the Greek word from which that word circumspectly, uh, what it means, it means to walk as if one would walk down a thorny path. There's a lot of thorns out there. There's a lot of things out there that want to, to grab a hold of us and to lay into us. Be careful about the knowledge from a soul perspective, about what you feed upon. Okay, and then we talked about uh, the fact that the other food... Besides the physical bread, besides the things that we know from an intellectual perspective that we would feed our mind with, you know, which would be knowledge. The other food, though, that we really need to focus on, and that's what we're talking about now, 
is the word of God, but not just the words on the page again, the words that proceed from his mouth. If you listen to what the Young's literal translation of the uh, verse, Matthew 4, 4 says, but he, that being Jesus, answered and said, it hath been written, not upon bread alone doth man live, but upon every word coming forth from the mouth of God. And we talked about how that that was a continual action verb. Coming forth is something that continues. It's not something that's just been emanated and exists out there in, in ether. It's something that continues. Did you know that God still speaks today? When has He spoken to you? All the time, my brother says. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. That's right. You just have to have ears to hear, right, brother? You have to have ears to hear. And the thing is, to eat this food, we've got to understand what it is and how to consume it. And so we left off talking about uh, spiritual food, talking about a little bit about, uh, you know, how, how it looks like physical food, if you will, in the, in the spiritual realm. And we talked a little bit about the fact that that spiritual food, there's application in different levels of spiritual food. There's levels of spiritual food in the physical. And we talked about how we can't take a little precious baby like this and start feeding him a bunch of stir-fried rice. And, feed, and feeding him a curry. And feeding him, uh, you know, things that he... Why? Because he's not ready for it. He can't process that. He can't understand that. He might take it in, but it's going to be of no avail to him. And in fact, it might come right back up. And so I will tell you that spiritually, that's the same thing. There's no difference. Spiritually, why do we think it's any different, folks? Well, if you first come into the kingdom of God, you're a spiritual babe. Very, very uh, plainly spoken in the Word of God. <clears throat> and we talked about that in First Corinthians or in First uh, Corinthians three two about how you need to be fed with milk and not with meat. Why? Because you're not able to handle it. That's a, talking about a spiritual meal. There are there are conditions of the spirit that can't handle anything beyond just the milk, sincere milk of the word. The wonderful thing though is First Peter two two says, as newborn babes. See what he says, as newborn babes. Crave or desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. What do babies need to grow? They need milk. So too the spiritual babes. And spiritual food, uh, you know, is available for all uh, types of maturity, for all levels of maturity. And as they grow, as babies grow, they get to the place that they can eat more, right? And they can eat a greater variety and they require more caloric intake. Guess what? Spiritually, you do too. As you grow, you can't live on the same meals you used to take in before that used to bless you. You need to dig. You need to prepare. You need to spend time uh, receiving the ingredients as they are prepared by the Spirit of God and take time. How many of us eat too fast? If you went through military like my father and like many of you all in here, you didn't have time to enjoy your food. Because to the, to the military, there's no perspective of gourmet and, and you need to enjoy this and isn't that awesome. It's from a perspective of calories and you get them in as quick as you can so you can get back out and do your business. So you didn't have time to taste your food. You know, that's been one of my biggest downfalls physically is I eat too fast. You know, spiritually, we try to do the same thing. We try to come in and get our little manna for the day, our little bread for the day. We want the word for the day. Oh, God, give it to me in a one-minute package. Give me an opportunity to spend time with you that's going to give me a sustaining rhema of God that will build faith in me in 30 seconds. Come on now, amen or oh me. 
It's absolutely the case. And I'm talking about me. I've got ten finger, nine fingers pointing back for every one I point out here. Well, one. I've got nine fingers pointing back. I know. I've been there many, many times. I've walked with the Lord my whole life. I've never known anything different thanks to His grace. Thanks to His grace. But I'll tell you, so many times, we're, very, we're so quick from a spiritual perspective to, from this eating concept. I know I need to eat, but I want it fast. It's like you want to download. And sometimes the Spirit of God is wonderful and will give you that in, ter- in, in certain circumstances. But how much time do you spend taking food in physically? How much time do you spend preparing that food physically? How much price do you pay, you know, the cost that you invest in the ingredients and in the, and in the, the uh, uh, recipe and in following that to detail in terms of what you prepare for you physically? I say just in as much as time as you spend for that, you need to at least come over and spend equal time spiritually. Amen? My mouth is getting severely dry. Nothing like drinking water out of a cup that had milk in it. Okay, so let's let's move on. Let's move on. Praise the Lord. So we left off, if you'll remember, how do we eat spiritually? How do we eat? That's what we're going to talk about today. How do we eat? We, we learned about the food. We learned that we need food in the Spirit. We talked a little bit about the, the, uh, uh, what kind of food it, it is that we eat spiritually. But how do we eat it? How do we consume? Well, I'll tell you and remind you again that we obtain our spiritual food from the Word of God. The Word He speaks to us. It's the spoken, revealed truth of God. The rhema of God that's our bread. That's the key. The key is, is that we understand that our food is rhema. R-H-E-M-A. We even have an institution down here in Tulsa named after it. And it has to do with the spoken word of God. It has to do with the word that God speaks to you. Amen. The word that he speaks to you, not speaks to someone else, but speaks to you that, that delivers understanding. That, that, that brings the, the, the Bible says the entrance of thy word brings light. What is light? Understanding. We're talking about word that comes into us because we've heard it, because it's spoken to us. Okay? And so that's the very thing. Next thing we're going to talk about is to receive spiritual bread, we must be able to hear his voice then. Because if, it's, if the bread is the spoken word of God, then guess what we've got to do in order to receive it? We have to hear it. Amen. We have to hear it. The words he speaks, the rhema. And so if you'll look over at Luke chapter 8, 4 through 8. Everybody turn over there to Luke chapter 8. And we'll see that this is the parable of the sower. And most people are familiar with the parable of the sower. I'm, I apologize for all holding this mic up, man. I get busy and not even thinking about it. Hey, I, wanna, I, want, to, I want to acknowledge, um, we, we've had a young man come all the way from Italy to mix your sound. He's back there in the back. His name is Marcello Buono, right? 
Thanks a lot, Marcella, for everything that you've done. He's helped us implement a new sound system. Not everything is perfect. There's a lot of wrinkles to work out, so thanks for your patience. But I want to tell you, man, we're so grateful for Marcella to be here. And actually, Marcello is the husband of Aaron Foshi. And so I just didn't know if y'all knew that, but I want to just to acknowledge him. Thanks a lot, Marcello. Blessings on you, bro. Okay, so Luke chapter 8. Listen real quickly. I'm going to read this quickly out of the NIV. It says, a farmer, and this is Jesus talking, a farmer went out to sow his seed. And he was scattering the seed. Some fell along the path. It was trampled on. The birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground. And when it came, the plants withered because there was no moisture. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than what was sown. Now listen to what Jesus said. When he said this, he called out, whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. And i got to ask you this morning, why in the world would someone who just spent about five minutes speaking to them a parable then end with, the set, with a, a question, whoever has ears? Unless he's talking about another set of ears besides the physical ones. Come on. He's talking about another set of ears because if he wasn't and he was talking about physical ears, why would he be sit there and ta- taught them? Because they're deaf. Unless they had sign language back then. Unless people could learn how to read lips. We're talking about a different set of ears. That's what Jesus is awakening them to. Whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. His disciples asked him what this parable meant. He said that, I want you to understand this. We, where everyone just stop right now and listen. This is the red letter in my Bible in your Jesus words. Exact word. This is his words. This is what he spoke. And I want you to know that Jesus is speaking this to you right now. This is Jesus' words to you, not to his disciples. You're part of his discipleship if you know the Lord. The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to others I speak in parables. The knowledge of the, of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you. Do you hear the voice of the Lord this morning by the Spirit of God? I am telling you under the unction of the Spirit of God, we are not to be those that walk in darkness groping to receive the light in our lives. Because why? Because we are of the discipleship of the Lord to which He addressed and said, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been, has been is past in my book. That means it has been given unto you. I tell you, the, the uh, diversity of revelation, the opportunity for you to receive understanding is already laid. The roadwork has been laid. The infrastructure is there. His name is Jesus, and he's the light of the world. And the light, I don't know what you think about what light does, but in my world, it gives me the ability to see things. It gives me the ability to understand. you remember what the old cartoons do whenever they get an idea? A light bulb comes up. That means they understand something. They see something. And I tell you, when I see Jesus, I look at him as my light. And what is Jesus? Jesus, according to John chapter 1, is the Word, capital W. The Word of God. What is it that we're to eat on? We're to consume the Word, capital W. Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, you've got to eat of me. Drink of me. And there was a lot of people that got mixed up thinking he was talking about cannibalism. And they left him. They said, this is a hard saying. Well, good golly, just like he's talking about another set of ears, he wasn't talking about consuming things naturally. 
He's talking about consuming spiritually. Okay, so if you go on to hear, to see, they asked him, what the heck does this mean, Lord Jesus? That's Greg version. And he says, I'm telling you right now, son, I've given you the secrets to the kingdom. I've given you the understanding. And they're like, what? And they even asked him in another part. It's like, Lord, why do you always got to talk to us in parables? Listen to what he says. So he goes on and explains to him, this is the meaning of the parable. Have you ever seen this? The seed is the word of God. Well, everybody's very familiar with that part. They're familiar with what the seed was that was planted, that was scattered about. Those along the path are the ones who, and I want you to focus on this. I want you to notice every time you see the word here. Here, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they say it, hear it. But they have no root. They believe for a while, but in time, testing fall away. That seed fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they're choked with lives, worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word. I'm telling you more than anything, this is a parable about hearing. It's not just about what the, what the seed is and about the process of evangelism and preaching the gospel. It really is a, a parable that's spoken mostly unto the discipleship of God because he's trying to get them to understand, look, the whole process, yes, starts out with you hearing the word of God and accepting it and confessing the Lord Jesus after you believe in your heart that he was sent here by God and, and bore your sins in his body. But then after that, the process of the kingdom of God does not stop. It's still the same. The, the word is the seed that still comes to us, even as children, born again children of God. But the same process of what can happen with people that have never received the word of God, depending upon the place of their heart and the condition of the soil of their heart, is no different for the Christian after he's received their initial word and become a Christian. Because then all of a sudden, here comes the word of God concerning something that needs to build faith in your life for your provision. Here comes a circumstance that needs to receive that you need a rhema for word to God to build faith for healing. Here comes a circumstance that brings an opportunity that you need the word of God to provide a foundation of faith for you to believe for those that aren't saved in your family. And invite the light of Jesus into their life on their behalf. Standing in the place as a priest. Hallelujah. And notice what he says. No one lights a lamp and hides it in a clay jar. And he goes on. There's nothing hidden that won't be disclosed. Therefore, in 18, I want you to focus on this. Consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has, has will be given more. Whoever does not have, what they do, what they think they have will be taken from them. I submit to you that... According to, to my heart and what seems right to me by the Spirit of God and the unction of God that I've, I have meditated on this Scripture, when he says that whatever a person has would be taken from him if he doesn't apply what he has, I believe that that, re, that, ha, that refers to your hearing. That refers to your, the degree to which you hear. That's what he said, the degree to which you hear. So if you have some hearing... But you don't give an account to it. You don't give and ascribe any kind of responsibility of yourself to that hearing to develop it. Then guess what? What little bit of hearing you have can leave you. You can lose it. 
And I'm not saying it doesn't ever come back again, but what happens is it's a hardness of heart issue. Because what happens is, is that these ears start to grow dull. And they get duller and duller and duller. And they get to the point that literally it takes a creative miracle to restore them. And you know what starts that creative miracle? If you sit here today and you say, oh, Greg, I I think I'm hearing what you're saying. And I think I'm hearing that I'm supposed to be hearing with something inside of here. But I haven't heard for a long time. I remember when the Father God called me and drew me by the Spirit unto himself. I responded to that and became a child of God because of that. But it's been a long, and I've had some times that I've heard the voice of the Lord. But it's been a long time, Greg. It's been a long time that I've really heard with the same set of ears. And I would say that the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the things that are in that parable, it says that it comes in to choke out. And I tell you what happens is it doesn't just choke out the effect of the word of God. It dulls your ability to hear the word to even get it in there. Hallelujah. And I tell you this morning there's hope. There's hope this morning because guess what? The Lord is long in mercy. It's not his will to, to uh, commit or deliver judgment. His word says, the Bible that I read, folks, says that his mercy triumphs over judgment. I'm here to tell you this morning, all you've got to do is do one thing, and that's repent. That's turning from the way you're going to go the opposite direction. That's all you have to do this morning. If you're telling me this morning, I want to hear the word of God. Maybe what it is is the fact that you need to turn from where you've been going and go the opposite direction. Oh, man, I feel the the call of the Father in my heart delivering that word to you this morning. There's always hope, folks. It's never too late. One day it will be when he cracks the sky, but it's never too late. Okay, so. So to receive the spiritual bread, we've got to hear his voice. And so we talked about the, the parable of hearing, and I would invite you to spend some time meditating on that. And I want to say one more thing about hearing. You know, we have to give God place. We have to give him an opportunity for us to hear what he's saying, right? Just like you would talk with someone and engage them in a conversation. You don't like just uh, come in and give them a moment or two and then walk off and expect that conversation to continue. Expect them to hear what they have to say. They want you to hear what they have to say. You just don't come into a situation and deliver your word and walk away. What kind of a conversation is that? That's not a conversation. That's a dictatorship. Or that's you're coming in and delivering your opinion. You're leaving. Same too with God. Do we do all the talking? If so, we can, you know, uh, it, how can God converse with us if he can't get a word in edgewise? Come on this morning. We got to give him an opportunity. Guess what? To stop and hear. Listen. Okay. So we've got to develop our spiritual ears and sense of hearing, which is not the soul or specifically the mind. Because of its nature, the soul does not contact the spirit realm. 
and therefore cannot receive from it, except by the way of connection to your spirit. I want to say that again. Because of its nature, it's cut from a different, made from a different material. It's made from a different uh, occupation of dimensionality. Your soul, your mind, will, and emotions do not contact the spirit realm. They are in contact with your spirit who contacts the spirit realm. And so what you have to do is get the order correct. You get the order correct. You put the focus here on the inward man, on the belly. You put the focus on the inward man, the ears of the inward man, the mouth of the inward man. And when you do that then, and you say to your mind in those circumstances, I don't care what the circumstances say because my spiritual ears hear another word. Yes, the doctor may say I have 30 days to live, but I'm going to tell you that another word inside of me says that he will establish my paths. Another word says that he orders my paths for good things and my steps for good things for me to partake of. Another word says that he's called me to live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. That's what another set of ears tell me if I'm listening. Do you hear that this morning? And now, now what you have to do is get in alignment these ears and be listening with what this is saying. I will live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. I will live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. That's the end of Psalm 91. I will live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. That's a man's spirit talking under the unction of the Spirit of God. Okay, so 1 Corinthians 2.14, But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. This is just a verse to confirm what I've talked about, about the soul not contacting and receiving the things of the Spirit straight from God. They have to come and be processed front, through your spirit. And you don't believe me? Then you talk to Paul under the unction of the Spirit who said to the, first, or to the church in 1 Corinthians 2.14, But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Is there anything in that verse that gives an exception to your mind or to you approaching the Word of God with, only by your mind? No, because it's not going to receive the spiritual things. It's, it's foolishness, it says. How many of you all look at the concept of faith from a mental perspective and say, that makes a lot of sense? To believe in what's not seen. To put my confidence in the things that are eternal that aren't seen versus the things that are seen that are temporary. No, that doesn't make sense. They're foolishness to your mind. And guess what? The natural mind here, the word natural mind is translated from the Greek word sukikos or suke man. And I've taught on that before here. And that is the, that is your, that is the soul part of you. Soul man. Just like that song says, I'm a soul man. And I don't have enough soul in my voice to sing it right. So trying to understand or reason out the things of this spirit through your soul will, capital N, capital E, capital V, capital E, capital R, it will never work. If you're approaching the word of God from a soulish perspective only, it will be nothing more than another book along with everything else. You can go up here to this library and access. It will not found and create spiritual matter. It will not be the foundation and energy for you to activate faith in your life, which is a spiritual thing. 
You receive revelation through your spirit by the spoken word of God, the rhema of God, which then illuminates your mind. See, that's the process. When you understand that, then you can understand how this eating takes place. You have to consume by the spirit and then by the spirit have that word spoken to you such that it brings illumination, understanding to your mind. And then guess what that does? It does what Romans 12, 1 and 2 says. It renews your mind. It makes it new again. Right? You can go and read that verse, Romans 12, 2, about uh, you not being conformed to this world, but being transformed by the renewing of your mind. How that, That's the transformation process I'm talking about. Receiving in your spirit the spoken word of God and then it being delivered because of the con- connection you maintain there and the process of order that you understand for then that to bring illumination and renewal to your mind. Okay, so, um, and you can see that, that uh, this in Matthew sixteen seventeen. this is one of many examples. This is Jesus talking to Peter and he says, Simon, you remember when Peter, when Jesus was talking to him and he asked all his disciples, who do men say that I am? And you remember Peter's response? He was the only one that had it right. And listen to what this says. Simon, son of Jonah, you are blessed. You didn't discover this on your own. It was shown to you by my Father in heaven. Well, what was shown to him? The revelation that he came forth from his spirit that brought an illumination to his mind where he says, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Do you remember that? No other disciple had that answer to Jesus' question. Who do men say that I am? And then he looked at them and said, Who do you say that I am? And, and all of them gave different answers, various and sundry answers. And Peter's was the only one that was right. And Jesus is telling him, oh, brother, you are right. But I'm telling you right now, you didn't get that because of your understanding. You didn't come to that because of your great sense and your great intellect because Peter was a dumb fisherman. Well, I'm just saying that in, in, from a cultural standpoint. Peter was a redneck like me. I identify with Peter. We got any rednecks out here? <laughs> Jim raises his hand. <laughs> I'll put it this way. Peter was a blue-collar man. And there wasn't a whole lot about Peter that was refined. But I'll tell you one thing that was refined, and that was a, sense, a set of ears right here. That man learned that when Jesus said, if you have ears to hear, he learned, oh, this is, I better open this up. Oh, man. I don't, know, I don't know about you, but I don't know of anybody else that walked on water. But I do know a blue-collar, redneck, what a lot of people would consider dumber-than-dirt kind of person. Didn't know anything but working with his hands, fishing. He walked on water, and another person, his name was Jesus. And that's the only two people I know. And it was because of ears he heard here that heard the voice come whenever he said, Jesus, is that you? When he was out in that boat in that storm. This is what I was trying to get to. This is the thesis right here. Practical steps to receiving rhema. Practical steps to receiving rhema. If you haven't taken a single note, this is where, where you begin to state some notes. I am a person that, after 43 years of living, I've come through two degrees up here at Oklahoma State University. That doesn't give me anything. That doesn't make me nothing. 
But I, was, I have applied myself from a soulish perspective to learning. I have done some things, you know, where I've read and read and read and applied some stuff and tried to get some word inside me and different things. It, that doesn't make a difference. I count that all as lost, just like Paul said. And except for what? To, to, to know Christ and His, His resurrection. That, he's talking about a revelation. I count all this intellectual knowledge is lost. Did you know Paul was an extremely learned man? Matter of fact, that dude, man, he, 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 he inspired and he... There, there were people that were teachers of the law that looked at Paul and were like, I ain't challenging him. I'm going to tell you, Paul was a Pharisee in terms of how he understood the law and how he applied himself to it. He was a very learned man, but I'll tell you, you see Paul saying, I count it all as dung. For one thing, to know, and that's a spiritual knowing. That's what he's talking about. I believe after 43 years of living, the most important things in life are things you can put in practice. That's what I was getting to. I believe that it's a, that I believe I'm a person that okay, theory is good, but you show me now how to apply it. That's practicality. And and with my young adults group, you can ask them. And you know, I used to be a person that focused a lot on things that were maybe theory, if you will, and goodness of knowledge and so forth. You know, back in the day, but with my young adults group, it's not that way anymore. I drive them nuts talking about practical things, about the way you apply this, about the things that can be done to make your life, uh, make this a reality in your life. Number one, we've already talked about this. Ask the Father for your spiritual bread daily. This is the first step. Look to the Holy Spirit, who is the teacher, who will lead you in this process. The Bible says that one's coming after me. This is Jesus. One's coming after me. That when he comes, he will lead you into truth and knowledge. The Holy Spirit is the teacher. He is the teacher. And listen to what this is. That's John sixteen thirteen. How be it when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself. But whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. Guess what? The Spirit of God has a set of ears. And he hears the Father. And what the Father speaks to him, he speaks to you. Does that sound like words we've heard someone else say? Jesus said, I only say what my Father says. Guess what? He was tapped into the teacher that also hears and speaks the words of the Father. And so we, we talked about how... Um, the Word of God, the bread of life. Jesus talked about it in His model prayer whenever the disciples asked Him, Teach us to pray, O Lord. And remember He said, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. That's the first step. Asking the Father for your daily bread. Asking the Father for your daily bread. And I like the way Luke says it. Give us day by day. Our daily bread. That means every day should, there shouldn't be a day go by that you're not asking the Father God for your manna. You're asking Him for your spiritual food. That's the first step. Number two, in terms of practical steps to receiving rhema, your spiritual food. Put your focus on the Spirit, on your Spirit, by doing things from your Spirit. This is a spiritual eating, so guess what? You eat and consume the spiritual substance with your spirit. 
So do things to bring a focus and, and, and an attention to your spirit. And how you do that are things that stir up your spirit, that give your spirit voice, that give your spirit the focus. And I can't think of any better way than praying in tongues. Praying in the spirit. I mean, that's the first thing I do when I approach the word of God. I sit down. I thank God for my daily food that I'm about to eat. I just I'm asking the blessing on it. And then I pray in the spirit a little bit. Why? Because I'm trying to get these ears focused. I'm trying to get these ears turned on and get these ears to quiet down. There's a process in that. And I'm telling you, folks, sometimes it may take 30 minutes to get these ears to shut up. These ears to go deaf to the noises around them. And I would also add another thing in here with regard to when you approach uh, the word of God to receive your spiritual food. Go to a place that you can get by yourself. Go to a table like you would in the natural. There's, there's so many places that we might go and eat, but there's always that one place that feels like home. And you go in there and you sit down. I don't know about you all, but my mother's a wonderful cook. I've had grandmothers that precede her that were awesome cooks. And there's always a warmth. There's always a kindredness. There's always something that brings a focal point back to things that mean a lot to me when I sit down at my mom's table to receive a meal she's about to prepare. I would say the same thing holds true for the spirit. Go to your table. That means a place that's by yourself that has all the distractions off to the side or closed out. Turn your cell phones off for crying out loud. The text can wait. The calls can wait. If it's something of an emergency, do you think your Father God will get the message to you? Yes. Given attention, given a focus, that's being practical. That's being something that you put rubber on the road. That's being purposed in what you're doing. Give attention to the meal that you're about to receive. Close off all distractions. I have to add that in there. I didn't even have that in there. Put the fo- that's putting the focus on the Spirit. Praying in the Spirit. Give your Spirit voice. Put the focus on your Spirit. Number three, thank God for the bread you're about to receive. Boy, we do that every time. I mean, people that don't even know the Lord give the blessing. They do, man. It just becomes a matter of our culture. I mean, we've done that for decades, for hundreds of years. We sit down to a table. We want to give the blessing. Well, I would say the same thing holds true here. You sit down, thank God for the bread you're about to receive. Thank Him. Why do you do that? Because it's faith. It's speaking those things that are not as though they are. When you say thank you for something you don't have manifest before you, is that not uh, an expectancy? Is that not a position that you're declaring, hey, I don't see it, but I don't see with these eyes. I don't hear it, but I don't hear with these ears. I see it and hear it with these ears and these eyes. That's faith. To thank God for something that you don't have manifest before you. So thank Him. Number four, practical steps to receiving your spiritual food. The rhema of God on a daily basis. Open the Word of God and begin to move through passages until something seems to catch your attention, your focus. Oh, this is number four. Open the Word. Begin to move through some passages until something seems to catch your attention, your focus. And here's, this is very important, folks. Start with books that are, that have some familiarity to you. I think, I think, you know, for a lot of people, um, 
you know, the Psalms and Proverbs are they're wonderful to get in. Wonderful. And, and I would say that, that it would be good, particularly for people that are first focusing in on the Word of God, give that a little, a little focus. Go to some of the Psalms. Go to the Proverbs and, and begin to just read through some of the passages. Go to, to the Gospels in the New Testament and read about Jesus to understand more about your Savior. But as you begin to develop yourself, I would, it's my suggestion... I'm not telling you, thus saith the Lord, according to the law of how you get rhema. Folks, that's one important thing I want you to put out in a sideline in parentheses. This is not a, a, a mechanism to rhema. When you approach the Father God or any relationship for that matter, you're not mechanistic about it. If I wanted to come and come talk with somebody like you, for instance, I don't, and I approach you one way and I talk to you and, and, and we talk about some things, I don't come back to you and engage you in exactly the same way with exactly the conversation we had before, saying the exact same words, with the exact emotion and the exact... You see what I'm saying? We want to put a Betty Crocker on everything. We want to put, have a recipe laid out. We want to put a formula on this process. God ain't a formula, folks. He's a person. He's not a mechanism where you put a dime in the, in the, in the machine and you pull a handle and you get a gumball out. Well, I did it that way last time, so I put a dime in, I pull a machine, I get another gumball. I put a dime in, I pull a, pull a handle, I get another gumball. That's not, that's not a person you're, I mean, that's a machine you're relating with. God's not a machine. So don't approach him that way. So even though I'm giving you practical steps, I'm not giving you a black box machine here. I'm just giving you some guidelines to look at and how you can approach practically receiving rhema from God. So open the Word, and I would say that eventually what you need to do, and this is most important, again, this is thus saith Greg, I have learned from some teachers that I have great respect for, that I have have put myself under and have listened to literally hundreds of hours of their teaching. And I have heard them, and I see the works of God in their life. I see the relationship of God in their life, so it's proven out as far as I'm concerned. And, And what they say and what they tell you is, Focus most of your attention in the New Testament. The Old Testament is great, and you need to not not forget the Old Testament. And like I said, the Psalms and Proverbs are things that we relate to very quickly, and there's great things to get out of there. But don't spend weeks and weeks in the book of Job. I mean, there's some wonderful things in Job. There's also a lot of things in there that get you mixed up. Because guess what? The foundation and the nature of relationship that we had, that Job had with his father is not the same that we enjoy now after Jesus. So you see what I'm saying? If you look at the word, what the word Old and New Testament really mean from the original translation, it's not just Testament. It's really Old and New Covenant. So when you look at the Old, old Testament, you're ta- looking at the Old Covenant, which is the old foundations, the old promises. And Jesus said that... Or, uh, the word of the Lord through the Spirit said that the, the new covenant is founded on better promises. They're ones that can't be broken. Why? Not because our father broke them, because we break them. And now, because the covenant was cut between him and Jesus as, as a man, they, are, they're not, they can't be broken. Because the word, because Jesus said it's finished. He finished it. 
So, so open the Word of God, and I would encourage you to just focus most of your attention in the New Testament. You need to feed in the New Testament, particularly the epistles. Particularly the letters, because guess what? Those are letters to the New Testament church, which is the day we live in today. So I would really tell, I would really encourage folks practical steps to receiving the rhema of God. After you've done those first three steps, you've prepared your heart, you've come to the table, you've asked the Lord for your daily bread, you're thanking Him you're going to receive it, you're looking to the Holy Spirit for your teacher as your teacher, you're opening up and putting the focus on your spirit because it's a spiritual meal, you're getting ready to receive that food, then you, you come to the table, and the table is the Word of God. And you get into the Word of God, open it, open it and spend most of your time feeding in the New Testament, particularly the, the, the letters. What are the letters, Greg? The letters are Romans and then all, uh, 1 Corinthians on. So Romans on. Acts is a wonderful thing too, but it's a good history of the church, you know, beginning and so forth. But guess what? Romans is a letter to the church of Rome by Paul. First and 2 Corinthians is a letter to the, to the Corinthian church by Paul under the unction of the Holy Spirit. And you can see him start out. They'll always start out with a salutation. So focus on the letters. And when you read those things, folks, read them as if they're addressed to you. Because they are. This is the Spirit of God talking to the New Testament church. Okay, so you, you open that, those letters and you spend most of your time feeding in those letters. Spend most of your time. And, and how do you feed, Greg? Well, what you do is, is you begin to move through passages. I was telling my young adult class that I learned in high school how to do some speed reading. I'm not telling you to speed read, but what, this is the way I approach it. I'm not telling you, thus saith the Lord. I'm not telling you, again, this is not a box. This is not a mechanism. But here's the way I do it. I'll open up. Sometimes I just go with what seems right in my heart. Luke said that, you know, all these other people wrote these Gospels, and it just seemed right to me to do so too. You don't believe me? Go look in Luke chapter 1 in the first couple of verses, and he says that. He did. Guess what? You need to engage your seamer. And when you're, when, you're, when you're approaching the Word of God, you look to your seamer and you see, with, go with what seems right to you. No, now, come on now. He that has ears to hear, let him hear. I'm talking about the seamer or these ears. And when you're hearing a voice, it might be a voice that sounds far. But you can hear that voice. And it's like, I think I hear a voice. So what do you want to do? You gravitate to it. So you, guess what? Because when you get close enough, eventually you can hear it clearly. That's your seamer. And so sometimes, folks, when I sit down to read my word, for some reason I just feel like I need to go to Colossians. I can't explain it. It's not a feeling. It's just a seeming. So I go to Colossians. And guess where I start? Chapter 1. Colossians is a wonderful book. I'm spending some time in that right now. Wonderful book. And so you go into the Colossians, you need to start, and when I, when I talk about speed reading, what I would do is, is I scan, I scan the page, scan text quickly. I'm not reading it necessarily for comprehension. I'm reading it to just look for something that, key words, things that just stand out to me. And guess what? The waiter, you see, you're, by faith, you've engaged the waiter. And it's like you're sitting at that table, and here comes the Holy Spirit, and he's like, he, he was like, 
look what we have on the menu today. This is what God has ordered special for you. We had this flown in from Alaska. It's not ranched salmon. It's wild-caught salmon. As a matter of fact, it was caught by the, the, the Inuit peoples up there that know how to catch it and smoke it and process it correctly. I've had some of that, and I'm going to tell you what. It'll turn you inside out. And so your seamer, as you're approaching the Word of God, it seems right. You go to Colossians. You start in Colossians chapter 1. I begin to just move through the, the verses until something just, there's something there that just, it's like, wait a minute. I stop. Guess what I do? I don't go on. Dear Lord. I stop. And then what do I do? Then I read it slowly. And then I look at the scripture and see if it's a particular verse or if it's something before or after it. So I'll read it contextually. Don't ever just look at things and pull things out of context. You know how many doctrines have been started that are wrong because they pull things out of context? Don't pull them out of context. It's kind of like what Taylor and Caleb said they learned in school, that if the word therefore is there, you need to back up and see what it's there for. So if you say therefore, brethren, well, look back up ahead of it and see what, what was established before that starts this thought. Or if there's an and or a but. So look at things contextually. And, and Okay, so that's, that's how you approach the table. That's how the waiters come, and he's giving you a menu, and you're, some things are looking right to you. They're seeming right. You're putting focus on it. You're reading it. Okay, and I want to just real quickly digress for just a second. 2 Timothy 3.16, all Scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness. Just want to found that. That's, if you need another scripture that, that proves out the worth of the word of God in this process, then there it is. Okay, so then what do you do? You, you, you've gone through, your seamers leading you, you're seeming right, something's, something's catching your attention, it seems like I need to focus on this passage. So what do you do then? You read and you reread the passages that stand out to yourself multiple times, praying in the spirit, keeping your spirit engaged, because those are the ears that are hearing this. Those are the ears that can only hear the spoken word of God. Okay? The rhema, that receive the rhema I'm talking about. You need to pray in the Spirit. Put the focus in the Spirit. Worship God. As you're reading this passage, stop for a minute and just focus on it. Allow your, I'm not saying leave your, don't divorce your mind from the process. I'm just saying keep the order correct. You're always looking here, listening with these ears, listening with this, this seamer. Going with what seems right to you in this process. Read it again. Reread it out. And say it out loud to yourself. Keeping the focus in the Spirit. Break the passage down. This is number six. So number four was open the Word of God. Begin moving through the passages. Put most of your focus in the letters. Feed in the, in the, in the New Testament. Most of your focus in the letters. And then number five was read and reread the passages that stand out to yourself multiple times, praying in the Spirit to keep the focus and efforts in the Spirit. This is a spiritual process, spiritual eating, spiritual food. Number six, break the passage down. Break the passage down and mutter it to yourself. Break the passage down and mutter it to yourself. 
I'm going to get through these steps, okay, folks? I know we're after 12. I'm, I'm almost done, but I want to get through these steps. So let's go over to Colossians. I want you to focus on verse 9. Everyone go to Colossians 1.9. I'm going to demonstrate this for you. Remember, we're talking about practical steps to receiving the rhema of God. This is so important. This is so important. This is your life itself, folks, in the Spirit. If you don't eat, you die. Same for the Spirit. If you don't eat, you'll, you'll waste away. So important. Practical steps to receiving food, the, your rhema of God. Listen to what Colossians 1.9 says. Oh, this is wonderful. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of His will through all wisdom and understanding the Spirit gives. So that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way. Oh, man. Now here's what you do. Let's say that you've gone through this process. Practical steps to receiving the Word of God. You've gone through the process. This something seems right. You went to Colossians. You begin to read through. Something catches your eye, particularly around this verse 9. You begin reading it. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continue to ask God to fill you with the knowledge of His will, to all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And you reread it. And then you begin to speak it out loud to yourself. And you begin to break it down, putting the focus from a spirit and letting your seam or letting your spirit go in the process. And this is what you do. You begin to go. And I'm asking that God fill me, not anyone else. I'm not looking for anyone else. I'm feeding myself right now. Yes, this is a selfish process. Because why? You're by yourself. You're receiving the table that's set before you because, by God. And you're saying that I'm continually asking God, God, uh, help me to continually ask you, oh God, to fill me with the knowledge of your will. To fill me with the knowledge of your will. Through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. And I like another translation. Through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. It's not the wisdom and understanding of your soul again, folks. It's a spiritual wisdom and understanding. And so you're breaking this down. And guess what you're doing? You're speaking it out. You're muttering it to yourself. That's why it's good to get by yourself. It's wonderful to do this with your spouse, too. Or a friend. But I've got to tell you, when you eat, you need, to, you need to spend a lot of time by yourself eating. Because why? Because you need to spend time uh, uh, speaking and muttering the Word of God. And it sounds kind of crazy to people that don't understand what's going on. It does. What did I say? The natural mind can't receive the things of God for their foolishness to Him. It seems like a foolish process, but I'm telling you folks, this is, a, this is absolutely reality. I've had it happen many, many times. And so you're sitting there breaking it down. You're muttering it. You're saying, God, I'm asking you to fill me with the wisdom, with the, with the knowledge of your will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And, and the reason for this, God, is so that I can live a life worthy of your calling. Do you all see that? And see, it becomes the prayer that it actually is. Paul is praying here. He's telling the folks what he's praying for. Let me ask you something. Does that prayer, would that be a good prayer for someone to pray for you? Would that be a good prayer for you, by the Spirit of God, your spirit, to pray for you? 
Okay, so then what you do is you've gone through that process and you're breaking it down. You're muttering it. That's verse six, or number, step, number six. Break the passage down. Mutter it to yourself. And speak out any utterance that comes. So, so the utterance may not necessarily be the exact word on the page, but it'll be an utterance that the Spirit of God brings up with inside of you that lines up and supports it. Speak that out. As you're praying in the Spirit, speak it out. Continue this process all the while continuing to thank God for speaking to you. Until you receive an understanding. Until it seems that you've received what you're supposed to receive at the time. Stay aware of the meditations and keep muttering them, rolling them around in your heart. That's step number six. And listen to what Joshua 1.8 says. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. But you shall meditate on it day and night. So that you may be careful to do according to that which is written therein. What in the world is he talking about unless those two are connected together? It shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate. That must mean that part of meditation has something to do with something, getting something in your mouth. And in fact, folks, if you go and click on, if you have a Blue Letter Bible application on your iPhones, and you click on that, and you click on concordance, and you click on the word mutter, you'll find that that word mutter actually comes, or I mean on the word meditate, that word meditate actually comes from the word that means to mutter. What does muttering mean? Muttering means this. This means, Lord, I thank you that you're filling me with the knowledge of your will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. I thank you, Father God, that I'm receiving by the Spirit of God wisdom as it concerns my life. I thank you, Father God, that I'm receiving an understanding, Father God, of what you have, of the steps that you have ordered for me so that, Lord, I don't just have them ordered for me every day, but I walk them out. See what I'm saying? That's muttering. And you don't stop this process. You continue muttering this. And I'm going to tell you right now that receiving the Word of God and receiving the Rhema of God is not this seven or eight step process to within five minutes you receive the Rhema. There are some days that the Lord God, here comes your smoked salmon. Boom! And there are other days that guess what? The kingdom of God is likened into a treasure that a man sold all that he had to go and buy because there was something precious in there. There's a treasure in the field. It's likened unto to that man that would sell all that he had to buy a field because he knew there was a treasure in it. It's like the pearl of great price that you have to make an investment in in order to achieve its value. And so when you approach the Word of God, the Word of God is a treasure to you. And you're looking for the treasure. You're, you're, you're lining yourself to receive that treasure. And you have to have that mindset. And it might be that you have to go and dig a little while to find the pearl. It might be that you have to go and walk the, the expanse of your land that you bought with the investment of your life for that day until you locate that treasure and then you secure it for yourself. Amen? Muttering is doing that. Muttering the Word of God. Meditating. Most important part of eating, though, and this is the last step, and we're not going to have time to finish everything out uh, with regard to this, because I developed this one, because this is the most, one of the most important steps. So this is step number seven to eating. It's doing the Word of God. 
Because you don't just hear the Word. You do it. And that's the digestive process of the Spirit. Do you know that chewing the word, the food, intaking the food, it could taste wonderful, you could chew it, but if you spit it out and never took it in, you, it would not be subjected to a digestive process and the chemical things and the metabolic things that take place that break that, those substances down into nutrients that are delivered unto the cells of your body so that you can live. And the same holds true for the Spirit. You have to digest what you take in. And that digestive process is doing the Word of God. When you do, when you're a doer, when you're not just a hearer only, you're, then at that point in time, the Word of God becomes a reality. Its nutrients become a reality that are applied from your spirit to bring understanding, to bring the, uh, uh, the life to the rest of your members. Doing the Word of God. That's the last step. It liberates the nutrients and energies to your spiritual cells. And I want to leave you with this key text, and you can meditate on this. This is wonderful meditation. This is a wonderful place to, to focus. James 1. Listen to what this says. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a mirror. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightforward forgets what manner of man he was. But whosoever looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues therein. This is a process that you continue to do. Whoever looks into this and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the word. This man shall be blessed in all he does. It's so important a part of of. of because the last part of, of spiritual consumption is, is digestion. It's doing. It's liberating that, that message, that spoken word, that understanding. It's liberating that, those nutrients to the rest of who you are and to your fellow brothers and sisters and to the productivity in the kingdom of God. That is an action and that is doing. And I just want to leave you with this last thought. The word doer in verse 22, where it says, Be ye doers of the word. This is the last thought. This comes from a Greek word that means performer or poet. Literally, it means one who makes. It's a single and finite action word, meaning this only happens once. This is opposed to another word, which is not the word that Dewar was translated from, which means to practice or to perform repeatedly as if you're trying to get something down. Folks, being a doer of the Word is not trying it. It's not trying it. The reason why we have not had the nutrients digested properly and liberating those things that we need, those essential elements for the building blocks of our spiritual life, right on up to our soul, right on out to our physical life, right on out to blessing our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, right on out to walking up the steps that God has for us and has ordered for us to walk, the reason why that hasn't happened is because too many of us are trying the Word of God. I'm not angry up here this morning. I'm just very serious about this. And this word that says be a doer doesn't say be a trier. It doesn't say try, just try this. Try this means an attempt. 
You don't attempt the Word of God. You do it. Do you see what I'm saying? There's a difference between someone who practices and someone who, who does it. That's the problem, folks. That's why the Word of God is not, is not alive in so many people's lives, including mine, because I'm not doing the Word. I'm just trying it. Because the reason why is because trying, what does trying do? Trying gives an opportunity for, for an out. Because if it doesn't work, then guess what? You go back to doing what you were doing before. See, trying gives an option. And i got to tell you this morning, under the unction of the Word of God, it is not a matter of option. The kingdom of God is not an option. Do you see what I'm saying? Do you hear what I'm saying? There are no options. You do or do not. There is no try, like Yoda said. Do or do not. There is no try. So I just want to leave that with you this morning. Would you stand with me? Father, we're so grateful.